to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, as always, well, not always, but, you know, half the time, joining us via satellite. Uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Feeling <laughs> a little under the weather, so I decided not to grace you with my presence. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. You know, I actually, my dad isn't doing very, like, I don't know why I said he's not doing very well. That makes it sound <laughs> like he's dying. Uh, he is a cold. Oh. He's just had, you know, like a cold for, for two weeks or whatever. And I saw him today and, you know, my mom was like, why don't you go to the gym and, you know, just kind of sweat it out, which like there is some, you know, there's some legitimate scientific evidence to show that, you know, when you're not feeling well, you should get up and get, you know, endorphins moving throughout your body and all that. I was like, yeah, dad, how about you just go for a run? Because and I used to run a gym and so I know... People come into that gym. I had somebody say, oh, yeah, like I threw up this morning. I have the flu, but, you know, I'm here to sweat it out. It's like, what? Well, can you just go home? Like, don't be here because <laughs> no one wants your flu. I, I, I think that I got sick more often working in a gym than any other job I've ever had uh, oh because there's just germs aplenty in a gym. No matter how many times you wipe a machine down, there's just leftover DNA from the last guy's lower back so that's, oh my gosh uh, painting an awful picture for everybody listening right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> exactly i hope that i could paint a really detailed yummy moist picture for everyone uh, i imagine that a big fat guy from uh the borat movie <laughs> just sweating it out right now. yes yes perfect <laughs> some eastern european sweat even better uh okay so anyways now that we've got that portion of the show out of the way uh We'll let you know what is coming up on the show. Uh, obviously, you know by now that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have moved on to the second round, as well as the Tampa Bay Lightning winning at five, Vegas in six. And so that leaves us with the Boston Bruins and the San Jose Sharks uh, to be picked apart and you know figure out where they're going to go here in this offseason. And so we're just going to kind of give a little bit of a you know our thoughts on those series but then specifically where does boston go from here where does san jose go from here uh, a lot of really interesting free agents and uh you know the way that that could potentially change each conference with both those teams being uh, pretty consistent good teams uh, in those conferences and see where they have to go as well we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll obviously touch on how we think vegas and tampa bay did this and uh, I mean, especially Vegas, it's just the story just continues. It's unreal. Uh, I, I was, I, I, there's one question that I'm going to ask you in a little bit. I'm going to say it now. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But whose run is more impressive right now where it stands? The Vegas Golden Knights or the 1996 Florida Panthers who went to the Stanley Cup finals? only to be swept by the Colorado Avalanche. So Ooh. Uh, that question coming up a little later on as well. Uh, so let's uh, let's start this with the Boston-Tampa Bay series. Uh, we know Tampa Bay wins in five games. And, I mean, other than I – mean, Tampa Bay won four straight games to end that series. So other than game one, which you know my rule, throw game one out the door because there's all sorts of weird factors in a game one. And really, I think we saw how good Tampa Bay really is. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, go ahead, give me your thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, no, I. Uh, you know what? I actually heard the other day. This is the well, I shouldn't say the other day, but I heard yesterday, and then it happened again yesterday. The most impressive stat this whole entire series, and kind of sheds a light on where Boston really needs to go from here, is the fact that the last four games, all which Tampa Bay won. Boston scored zero five-on-five goals. Yeah, and the whole thing about the Bergeron line is that that line was so good five-on-five, five, especially against the Leafs. I mean, their power play was good against the Leafs too, but five-on-five five, mm -hmm. they did very well, and that was just not happening against Tampa Bay. I mean, that we, we said in the first series that Boston's issue would be their depth at forward. And mm -hmm. against the Leafs, especially with Kadri missing three games – and things just not looking right in a couple ways. I think that their lack of depth at forward wasn't exposed the way that I thought that it would be against Toronto. But Tampa Bay was able to completely leave Boston 
naked and licking their wounds. Uh, very much a pun intended on the licking. <laughs> Oh yeah, I would completely agree with you. I think, I think m- most of the most of the off season, Boston has to really address getting some depth forwards. Uh, maybe not a, maybe not more than one because again, they have a lot of a lot of good young pieces in this team. I mean, you got guys like Ryan Donato, Pasternak, um, <clears throat> you know, Jake DeBrusque, young guys who are still growing, still you know developing as players. And I think, I think it's really important for. Um, you know, for Boston to let those guys grow and not hinder their ice time just because they're worried about the lack of, um, you know, scoring they got from from their third and fourth lines and even their second line. Um, I think more than anything else, they, you know, outside of Tory Krug, they, they really have to, to address some offense from the back end a little bit. They really didn't get much out of guys like Kevin Miller. Zdeno Char was okay. Um, but you really didn't hear him or McAvoy's name being called a lot. I'm, I'm willing to give McAvoy a pass being, I mean, last year in the, in the playoffs, he played well against Ottawa in the first round, uh, yes. but no one had ever seen him before, right? Like nobody knew real. I mean, other than his college play, which got, guys hadn't actually played against him. And so mm-hmm. I think that this year coming in, they knew who Charlie McAvoy was. You can play a little differently against him and you, and you know what to do. Uh, and at 20 years old, even though he's well ahead of the curve, I mean, he's still like Austin Matthews has a lot to learn still at this point. And so I think you're willing to give guys that are your up and coming star, you're willing to give them a little bit of a pass. To me, Zidono Chara looked 41 years old, and mm-hmm. he also looked like he was, I mean, we're we're looking back and going, man. Maybe he shouldn't have been playing the kind of minutes he was playing in the regular season, and and I think that's going to have to be something that Boston addresses. That they Zidono Chara cannot be playing top pairing minutes anymore. Not at forty two, uh, and no. even, even if he feels good during well, it's happening. That's fine, but I mean. I, I, there's all sorts of sports science stuff that these guys use, and, and they've got to be able to to see that. I mean, this just this season has wore on him as the season went on. He was a different player towards the end of the regular season than he was in the first round, and then first to the second round, it was like all of a sudden he's skating in mud. I mean, even in the first round, we saw against the Leafs, he had trouble handling the puck. And there was just some weird mistakes. And they weren't necessarily like, oh, you're old and slow. It was just, I don't know, like a fatigue level that that was getting to him. And so, you know, I, I don't know how he feels personally. You know, I'm not in his body. I don't know him. But it certainly looked like he maybe slowed down. And so they, they have to look at that. They've got to do something to address that next season to give him less minutes in the regular season so he's more fresh for the playoffs. Just like... Just like a goalie needs to be fresh for the playoffs, uh, I think that an older guy like Chara needs to be held back in the regular season a bit. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. But the problem is, for them, you know, they don't really have anybody else outside of maybe Tori Krug where you can look at and say, okay, this guy could step up and play a few more minutes. And obviously with the way teams are now, you don't want to put your two offensive threats on defense with Krug and McAvoy up on the same pair. You want to make sure McAvoy's got somebody who's stable defensively so that he can go around and do his thing and skate around if he needs to. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm looking at how far Boston was ahead of everyone towards the end. Mm-hmm. Chara just should have been sitting. You know, hey, sure. play a game, don't play any back-to-backers. I always wondered that. You know, in in baseball sometimes an older guy who's a, a very talented player, I, I'll think, uh, like, uh, Victor Martinez for the Detroit Tigers. When the Tigers mm-hmm. were good a few years ago, they would just if they had back to back games, sometimes they would just rest them and not play them. And I, I know baseball, there's 162 games, not 82. But I gotta think that at some point somebody's gotta go. You know, we don't need Chara to play 82 games. We we need him to play probably somewhere between 65 and 70, and that may take some of the effects of a full NHL season on his body. I mean, he played 73 games uh, with the 12 games in the playoffs. So it's 
it's not like he played every game in the regular season either, but I mean, maybe that, I don't know, maybe it's just, it needs to be examined. The fact that he maybe needs to be playing less games to be, to be most effective. I'm not, I mean, he's, he's fine. He's still a good defenseman, but is he most effective maybe when he's playing a few less games in a season? I don't know. That, yeah. That's and I think this would be a situation where you can go out maybe in free agency and get somebody on the cheap who, who you've seen in the past log a, a ton of minutes maybe maybe make a play for a guy like jack johnson from columbus or or maybe even same team go out and you know sign a free agent like ian cole who you know could maybe play on your third pair and then if needed can step up in that top role you know if you want to sit char down a little bit yeah yeah i think that's a that's a great evaluation even a guy like dan hamhuse or something just somebody that you can bring in and, and trust with some some minutes right. uh, or maybe it's a matter of playing and dressing seven defensemen, you know, I there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to show that dressing seven defensemen is actually a far better strategy because you think about how often you know the winger on the fourth line on some teams actually play. You know, you look at the ice, the ice Five, time seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, at most nine, ten, and that's in a that's in a pretty weird game, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight minute average eight minutes a game, something like that. And if you could just take away some time from those top pairing defensemen over the course of a regular season, could it cost you a little? Yes, I suppose. But if you're a team that you know, all right, we're there. We we know we're going to be in the playoffs. Then there's, I think, some. There's got to be, you know, if you can take off three, four minutes a night from from a couple guys on the top of your pairings, maybe it leaves them with some more juice at the end of the season and into the playoffs. And they're able to not look like Chara looked like at the, at the very end there. Um, well, okay. So let's get your take on what Boston should do here. Now we know Rick Nash probably not re-signing with Boston. He was a, a one trick pony, one-time deal and uh, deal at the deadline. He's not coming back, nor did I really think that he fit that well with them anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't be worth bringing him back in the first place. I know he wants to go back to New York. Uh, that's something hanging out there. So He probably will. Uh, Riley Nash, he's also a UFA. Probably going to get a lot more than the 900000 that he got this season. Uh, that's <laughs> I mean, he had 41 points, 15 goals, 26 assists in 76 games, and in the I mean, in the playoffs, he only had the assist in in nine games, but he brings a little more to the table than just putting up points. He played well when Bergeron missed time. So does Riley Nash? You know, does he re-sign with Boston? But if he does, he's going to probably make three, two and a half, three a year. So he's going to get a little raise. Uh, Along with Sean Corrali is also a restricted free agent and Matt Grizzlick. So a couple younger guys who are I'd say lower definitely lower on their roster, but going to get paid more than the, you know, eight hundred thousand that each guy is making. Yeah, I think um for the offseat, the most important thing for, for Boston is just to remember you know, hey, there weren't a lot of expectations going into this season, and you far overshot those. So, again, continue to develop. Let your younger players like Donato, Dan Heinen, DeBrusque, let these guys grow and develop more. Give them the opportunity for more ice time and just, you know, maybe go out and address something on the back end. Go out and bring, like we talked about, a Dan Hamhuis or an Ian Cole. Bring in a veteran guy who can log some minutes if needed to you know stabilize that back end because right now if you look at it they got you know um one two three four guys who are going to be over 30 years old going into the next season not that that's anything bad with that but um you know you, you bring in somebody who can help alleviate some of those minutes and keep those legs a little fresher for everybody especially for big z who's going to be on his his new extension one year deal and uh, give an opportunity for guys like Tory Krug and McAvoy to maybe get a few more minutes out of this. Yeah, and uh, happy birthday to Anton Kudobin. As it, oh is, yes, I, you know I was just looking at his, and it's May seventh, and this is this is his birthday. He turns thirty two today. Uh, a pretty good seventh round pick by Minnesota in two thousand and four. Ended up being a good goaltender, but he is a free agent as well. And 
he is a big reason that Boston was where they were uh, come the end of this. I mean, they might have finished lower in the standings to begin with without his 16-6-7 record. Uh, he played very well. And, I, you know, a very good backup goalie. I would think that they'll try to just re-sign him. But at this point, Qdoban's probably going to want three years, at least two. You know, he's going to want a multi-year deal. And, I mean, still with Tuka Rask, who will turn 32, uh, he's still making $7 million for another three seasons. So can, can Tuka Rask kind of find himself I, he he had a good season this year um, mm-hmm. but he kind of struggled in the playoffs 288 goals against average 903 save percentage uh, he didn't look all there all the time and I mean he already only played what 60 games in the regular season 54 games in the regular season so I mean Boston yep. needs a backup goalie that can play 20 games at least yeah, and I think this is a situation where a guy like Jonathan Bernier would be very helpful to come in. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, <laughs> you'd have to pay him, though. Because yeah, Bernier's not going to just go and, and take a $1.5 million deal anymore. No, no, no. I think he's going he's gonna to look for his two and a half, three mil again like he got this previous season. And here's the problem. I mean, Boston only has... Yeah, like maybe if the if the cap do we know where the cap is going up? Is it seventy eight or seventy nine, something like that? Uh, I can't remember. No, I don't think we know. It's between seventy eight and eighty. I heard. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, let's assume that we'll just assume that it's high, and we'll say it's eighty. So Boston has fifteen million in cap space at that point. So I mean, you're losing Rick Nash, so you got to replace Nash. You got to re-sign Riley Nash or bring in somebody new, and you also have to re-sign your Corrali and you're losing a Tommy Wingle who's playing on your fourth line. I mean, guys that are replaceable, but guys that you're going to have to find to plug in that are going to play as well or better than the guys that they're losing. They're also going to lose Nick Holden, who they acquired at the mm-hmm. deadline. So uh, definitely some some things that they're going to have to work out. But, I mean, I suspect, though, this team will look largely the same. Uh, the only question is how long... Can Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, David Backus, how long can these guys keep going at the level they're going? I mean, they're all about to be 33, 35. I mean, it's it's kind of getting to that point where the Bruins, it's funny that the Bruins and the Sharks lost on the same night because <laughs> they really are very similar teams. Where you 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 do have an infusion of younger players. I mean, we'll get to San Jose, but you know, even uh, even guys on San Jose like a, a Logan Couture is the same age as Brad Marchand. You've got Joe Pavelski, the same age, almost the same age as Bergeron, and an older guy like Thornton who's maybe on his way out. And uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of similarities between the two teams, uh, but it'll be interesting to see which one can hang out at the top. I suspect that Boston maybe has a little better chance of staying high in terms of where they appear in the standings every year. But uh, is there anything, any player on the forward group that you could see going to Boston via free agency? Ooh, that is a delightful question. Let me actually pull that up here. What do we got for forwards? Um yeah, it'd be, wouldn't it be a little poetic if uh, Big Joe Thornton goes back there? Although I don't see that. Ooh, uh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That'd be <laughs> that'd be very interesting. Uh, you yes. know, you know who would actually be a very good fit for Boston, uh, and an East Coast guy himself would be James Van Riemsdyk. Ooh, be a very interesting acquisition for the Bruins as they're they're losing a Rick Nash. Okay. And, so they, I mean, they have the cap space. Van Riemsdyk probably would take. My guess is it's going to take six by six, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a, like a seven by five. Would you be willing to give Van Riemsdyk? Now he's only twenty nine. Would you be willing to give him five years at seven million to That's, come in and give you a chance for, let's say, three of those years? He's still really good, and then right, the last two, the, he's eh, maybe you trade it and maybe. Maybe, you know, maybe he keeps producing, but I mean, he's got to be. I mean, thirty-six goals. There's not too many guys that score thirty-six goals. Right. Same amount of goals as Tavares. 
Yeah, that's that's the biggest question because, like you said, you got a lot of guys on that Boston roster, especially in their top six forward group, who are who are very much aging. And you know, Van Reems, I mean, JVR, he's a quality winger. He's going to be good for a few more years. Um, but you know, if you're if you're Boston and you decide, okay, we know maybe we got three good years left out of Bergeron, uh, you know, Krejci. So we we want to go all in. Yes, then you invest in a guy like JVR. You put the money out there so that you can win. Because if I'm being honest, I honestly think David Backus might end up being uh, next year's uh, Milan Lucic. So ah, uh, ah yeah. But it, if it was me, I might go a little cheaper route and go after a guy like Patrick Maroon, who who's going to give you some points, give you some depth scoring, but might be a cheaper option at three and a half, four mil. Yeah, or maybe even. You know, I I guess I was thinking like a a, a Blake Como or something like that, uh, where he's a free agent in Colorado. He can play both sides. Um, mm-hmm. Thirty three points this last year, and he probably he made two point four million this year. I don't know he'd make that much more next year. Uh, a good solid depth guy. Now the problem is if you're looking for somebody to come in on your top six, that's different. Um, it's fascinating to me that Thomas Vanek another. 56-point season, he's only making $2 million. Is somebody yeah. going to give Thomas Vanek finally the money that – now, I mean, he was making what? He had just like a $7 million cap hit when he signed his big deal with Buffalo, was dealt to the Islanders and all that uh, hubbub several years ago. But he's obviously worth more than $2 million a year. Right. Who's going to who's gonna go and give him four, four and a half? I mean – if he's going to get that, it's going to be on a one, maybe two year deal at this point. But sure, I mean, sure. he's he's shown over the last, you know, last year with Detroit, this year with Columbus and Vancouver, he's shown that if you put him with a younger, faster player, he's going to produce. And he put up fifty six points, only averaging around fourteen minutes a game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Thomas Vanek probably resigns in Columbus, but he would he may not be the best fit for Boston. But he's, he's going to be a great fit for, for somebody. Uh, I think a, a better fit for Boston would be a guy like Michael Grabner, to be honest. Ooh, okay. Uh, Grabner, a guy who's always played in the East, and you know, a guy that he doesn't need to – he doesn't do a whole lot except for score, <laughs> which is an okay <laughs> problem. That's an okay problem to have. Um, okay, well, right. let, let's, uh, let's shift away from Boston now. I think we've, I think we've covered them pretty well. Uh, Boston will – where where are they picking in the draft? They will pick. They actually don't have a first round draft pick, as they obviously traded that away for Rick Nash. So they won't pick until the second round this year, and that will be a that will be the fifty ninth overall pick is oh. when they will pick for the first time in the draft. So that's I mean uh, they do have a, a high third round pick from Florida that they uh, they traded for Frank Vitrano, but. Yeah, Boston not going to have a lot to do in this upcoming draft. Uh, they they probably won't have a whole lot coming from this previous year. Yerho Vekanainen, who is the defenseman taken at 18th overall, he's not going to be ready to go, still playing in the SM Liga. And Trent Federick is an interesting one. He's out of the U.S. Development Program, centerman. Uh, he was taking the first round, their second pick in the first round in 2016, their first pick being... Uh, of course, Charlie McAvoy, but he had a real good season with uh, with the University of Wisconsin, and then he went to the Providence Bruins in the AHL, and he, I mean, he had eleven, uh, eight points in thirteen games. So, I mean, he's maybe a guy you look to maybe crack the roster next year or sometime during the year uh, as a first round draft pick. I'm sure he'll be given every opportunity. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, before we break down the Sharks and what they'll do, uh, this Vegas team, what, how, that it's not even, it's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid that at this point we're still going, how is this team doing it? Because they're, they're just good. They're actually a, they're a good team, and we've been saying it for a while, but it's still – it's like my brain can't process it. They're a first-year team. They shouldn't be doing this. I had them finishing in the bottom sixth of the league, right? I think we all did. 
There, yes. there was very few people. I mean, maybe some people said, ah, eh, you know, they might surprise people and compete for a playoff spot, and it would be kind of cool. Uh, and now here they are in the in the final four, and I mean, I at this point, I almost, I keep thinking about it. Oh, you know, who would I pick? Jets or Predators over the the Knights? Like, does it matter because this next round the Knights are going to get wiped out? Are they though? Are they really? Maybe the Knights are just going to win. I I actually think. Oh man, if the Predators somehow make it through, I think I'd pick the Knights. Yeah, if the Predators did, I probably would too. To be quite honest, I mean the way Mark Andre Fleury is playing right now. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and honestly, okay. Tell me. I know. So we're recording this show prior to seven o'clock on Monday. So uh, the some of those games have happened later. We're purposely not talking about the games happening tonight because we don't know what's going to happen. But you will by the time you listen to this show. But I mean. The fact that it's a possibility that Pittsburgh could play Vegas in the finals is mind-boggling and hilarious <laughs> and amazing. Like that's what I'll be rooting for. Uh, if Pittsburgh's already lost, then oh well. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. I I think what this goes to tell you, Seattle's going to come in. You know, Seattle's going to come in in a couple years, few years, and I don't think you'll see any GMs willing to trade anything with them they're gonna go no just take a guy take whoever you want don't care because how dumb do some people look now for trading away extra pieces to save pieces that didn't end up being as good as the extra piece like it's some serious mistakes were made by general managers in the league they had some overvaluing of players and gerard gallant quickly cementing himself as one of the best coaches in hockey in the world today. Yeah, I bet you the Florida Panthers are kicking themselves right now. Not only did they get rid of this guy as their coach, they drove him out, but they go ahead and just say, hey, please take Riley Smith off of our hands. We'll give you all of this to take this guy who's been phenomenal. To take Marcia so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, okay, so Vegas is on to the next round, and we will uh, we'll we'll break down the series and and what we you know what we think will happen when we know what uh, what team they're going to play. Until then, let's just take a few and talk about the San Jose Sharks, a team that you know when I was watching the Sharks and watching this game six. Of course, the Vegas Knights won three uh, nothing, but when I was watching, I was like, this is just kind of. What I've grown to expect is the Sharks somewhere in the second or third round for the most part, other than one one off year where they happen to get to the finals. Uh, mm-hmm. I just expect them to be in the second or third round and and lo- lose, <laughs> which yeah. is which is good and bad. I mean, they're consistently they they win playoff series. Uh, they haven't been able to win the cup and put it all together, but this team is always there. And I think, I think that for the first time, when I look at this team, I I don't know when whether to be worried that some of these guys are getting older, or whether it's just like, well, they've got to actually have some pretty nice pieces coming up that are younger, and so they should be fine. Uh, or do I look at it and go, oh boy, this team's this is this is kind of it for this team. They might have one more year. And after that, it's going to all come crumbling down. Have they just been putting patches in the jeans to uh, to make this thing kind of keep chugging along? Almost like they kind of look like the Red Wings, maybe like six years ago when they were still trying to trying to win, and they could, you know, the Wings didn't get out of the first round. The Sharks did that, but the Sharks look like this is it. Yeah, I think I think I would have to agree with the patches in the jeans theory because. You look at what they've been doing the last few years and bringing guys like Joel Ward, um, you know, Michael Bodker, guys to sort of just plug the holes because, you know, their core of Couture, Pavelski, uh, Brett Burns, they're, and, you know, Vlasic, they're getting up there in age. And um, while I think Brent Burns can still be serviceable for a few more years, um, you know, it they don't 
inspire a lot of confidence when it comes to young guys taking over. Because, for instance, a few years ago when Tomas Hurdle came out, you know, he was supposed to be, he was taunted as the next big thing. He was playing on the, you know, Joe Thornton's wing. He was looking real good. And I had, a, I had some high hopes for this guy, and he came out and it was just like, eh. You know, eh. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah, I, th- I think that he's he's a a good second line winger is ultimately sure. what what he is. I mean, hey, 46 points, 22 goals. Uh Thomas Hurdle is Thomas Tatar. Yeah. To me they're pretty similar. Uh I mean, aside I think Tatar has a better shot, but Thomas Hurdle has better hands. So there's there's your thing. And now Hurdle is a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, I believe he's he's arbitration eligible. Yes, he is. And so uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But, I mean, this team, well, let's just run down the list of free agents. Joe Thornton is a UFA. Evander Kane, a UFA. Joel Ward, unrestricted. Hurdle is restricted. Yannick Hansen, an unrestricted free agent, along with Eric Fair. And then Chris Tierney, who's only making, he's still on his ELC, only making 735000 So he will most likely get a, a little raise. He had 40 points this year, career high. So he's make he's going to make more than 700 grand. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Dylan DeMello, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, their defense is, is pretty much locked up for a while. I mean, you've got 8 million towards Brent Burns, 7 starting next year to Vlasic for an eternity. Both Burns and Vlasic signed through I think 2025 or 24. Uh, Justin Braun has another two years at three eight. Brendan Dillon another two years at three two. So I and and then of course Paul Martin with four eight. Uh, I don't I don't think that Paul Martin will be back. Uh, maybe he is because they can't move him. But I think they'll try to move him. Uh, and so really, this team they actually have a pretty good defense. Um, that's the one thing that they have going for them. Uh, up front, and they're gonna. It, they may look like a very different team up front, especially as soon as Joe Thornton leaves. This team is drastically different. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, what we got? We're gonna see fourteen million cap space plus maybe, you know, another three to five, depending on where the cap falls uh, for next season. And granted, we're gonna see maybe some of that money go towards signing a guy like, uh, you know, getting Hurdle uh, a little. You know, probably get a little bit of a raise. Uh, Chris Tierney, like you said, he's going to get a, a couple more million bucks out of his productive season. Um, but, you know, are they going to go and try to keep a guy like Evander Kane? Because he, he worked out pretty decent for, for San Jose. He put up, I believe it was 14 points in 18 games with them, so not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, and the Sharks, even as, in terms of like their, uh, their their draft picks that they have coming up, I mean, two years ago they didn't even. I mean, Timo Meyer has been good. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Timo Meyer, but he's a top ten pick. He better be good. Uh, outside of their, uh, outside of the guys that they've drafted in the first round, there just hasn't been a whole a whole lot. I mean, Kevin LeBanc taken in the sixth round, uh, but they're they've been a pretty like rough in terms of drafting. I mean, you've got 2012, they had Hurdle and Tierney both come out uh, mm-hmm. and play significant games. And the, and the year before that, Matthew Nieto, who, you know, he's he's fine. He was taking the second round. Um, not there with the team anymore. Um, Kevin LeBanc is, and Timo Meyer, the two players taken in the last four years that have played more than 80, 80 games. Um, I guess Goldobin a little bit, he's okay, but in the last three years, it's Timo Meyer. That's it. He's the only guy who's played more than five games for the Sharks. So you, you got to look at that and go, man, somebody, need, somebody needs to come up. I know they have Josh Norris. He plays for the University of Michigan. He's a centerman. Uh, they mm-hmm. took him with a 19th overall pick. And so you got to wonder, are they going to try? And he's not actually signed yet with the Sharks. And so are they going to get him signed? Or shoot, does he become a guy who – looks at this Sharks team and goes, I'm going to stay at Michigan and then I'm going to go sign wherever I want to sign in, in another year. And that's <laughs> guys are doing that. So, uh, yeah, the, I think that's the biggest issue is that the Sharks, well, they've been trying to do this retooling, you know, and, they, and they've been successful. I think that the Sharks are the team that have really taken that idea of we don't have to be the worst team in the league. We can 
still build around our players and just retool. We might be we might miss the playoffs, but we can retool, and they have done that. But now their core players are that much older, and they don't have a lot in terms of young, high end talent. Timo Meyer is a nice player, and, and he may yeah. end up being a, a very good second line winger for them. You know, he might spend some time on that first line eventually because they may have to play him there. But this team doesn't scare me, especially in two years. <laughs> There's no. not much here. No, and I completely agree with you. I think, you know, in terms of prospects, not a ton coming up. Um, I think, you know, you look at for this draft class, right? They they have one first-round draft pick, nothing in the second or third round. So if I'm the Sharks right now, I think their best bet to try to get some young infusion just some an infusion of youth into this team might be to, to deal off Aaron Dell to a team that's looking to acquire a solid backup or a potential 1B type goaltender. That's a good thought. Yeah, just acquire assets overall, which yeah. which they actually so a guy a guy I don't I can't even pronounce his name. This guy he's totally Canadian, but this totally is his Canadian. name. His name is Jaden. That's a that's a great solid first name. Jaden H A L B G E W A C H S Hall Haljawaks. I'm I'm assuming the B is silent. Haljawaks, uh, and uh, he is actually just an un an undrafted free agent that they signed, and he led the Western Hockey League in scoring. So, I mean, he had 129 points in 72 games, 70 goals. Wow. Uh, so you at least have to like you know maybe. I mean, he's an overager playing there, but nevertheless, leading the, the whole entire league in scoring. Uh, maybe he's somebody who can who can come up and, and make a difference because next year he's eligible to at least play in their minor league system. And uh, I, it's just it's time that they start developing guys from within and drafting well. Oh, oh however they need to do that. It's just this this team, the cupboards aren't bare. But the cupboards aren't full with expensive meats. We'll say <laughs> there's just there's just some cereal in there. That's it. There's, just some cereal. It'll get the job done. You're not going to go hungry, but you're not going to you're not going to win any bodybuilding championships with that. So food. what you're saying is they got a whole bunch of Hydrox cookies. There, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, I just the sharks. I, it's going to be really. Fascinating to see what happens with Joe Thornton. Uh, quick, I, I want to get to the question that I asked you earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which team? Since just since we're you know talking about this series, which team? The Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers? Nineteen ninety six version is a more impressive run. Uh, I don't think that's uh, that's a no brainer to me. I I, I got to pick Vegas here. Okay, why is that? Yeah. Uh, just honestly, I think when you look at Vegas to me, um, these were a whole bunch of guys outcasts, you know, guys, nobody wanted. I don't think that was really the same sentiment in Florida and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I will, because they were the, they, they, they were not wanted. I mean, it was the same, it was the same, uh, the same idea, you know, was that yeah. the, uh, the, I mean, they had a, an expansion draft and the expansion draft was not in favor of the expansion team at that time. No, no, not at all. I think, uh, but, you know, I, I look at Florida team. They they had, you know, some some younger, decent players like uh, Rob Niedemeyer, um, you know, Stu Barnes, um, you know, maybe even you could look at a guy like... I mean, John Van Breesbrook. Dvorak. They have John Van Beesbrook, but... That's, uh, yeah, and, and, and the other maybe, thing is that they did have to draft against. They had to. They drafted at the same time as the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. So there sure, was yeah. Both. I mean, don't teams. get me wrong. I think uh, you know maybe Van Breesbrook and Flurry. You can almost wash out for each other in terms of just comparing the two teams. But um, I think the way the league is set up and there's a lot more competitive balance. I think that gave the opportunity for Vegas to almost. Like you would think they wouldn't succeed because they have so many more difficult teams to get through. Whereas back then, you know, there were it was a lot of top-heavy teams like New Jersey, um, you know, maybe Washington there on the east, and 
and that was pretty much it. You know, most of the the big teams were were in the West. You didn't have a lot a lot of roads to go through. Okay, uh, hold East. on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm, I got to jump in here now. Please, because do it. let's talk about the teams. Okay, they beat Boston in the first round, and that's fine. The year yeah. 1996. The second round, they came back down two one to beat the Philadelphia Flyers, who had Eric Lindros and John no, Leclerc, no and went to the finals the following year. And then in the third round, down 3-2 in the series, they come back against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who had Yarmir Yager, Mario Lemieux. I mean, this team was also stacked. And so, I mean, they, didn't, they weren't just beating these run-of-the-mill teams. And I'm going to say it, that Vegas did not beat... I mean, the L.A. Kings, they weren't that great of a team. I think a lot of people had Vegas beating L.A. Like, that it was an easy, it wasn't that tough of a pick to go Vegas. Like, it wasn't that shocking. Um, and sure. San Jose, to me, not all that impressive either. A, a, a team that is used to being there, sure. But, I mean, when you look at that roster up and down, it's not like there's anybody on that roster that you go, oh, my like we're talking Eric Lindros at the prime of his career, they beat him. Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager, and especially Yager at the prime of his career at that point. I and mean, th- those were some darn good teams. So I don't think you can say that they didn't beat extremely good teams. But anyways, that that that's what I I had to throw that in there because they did beat good no. teams. There were some really good teams. I, I do understand what you're saying that there was the Western Conference definitely was much better, which. Obviously, they saw in the finals as they got absolutely <laughs> trounced by Colorado. Uh, but I, to me, the Florida one was crazy because there was no salary cap. Therefore, and and it's not like Florida was was spending a ton of money. Uh, you know, it, it's not like they came in and were like, "Oh, we're just going to outspend these teams and we'll buy a cup" kind of thing. This right. was. They were a, a very much an a, a expansion team, and they were going up against some juggernauts. And still, I mean, I granted it was three years later. They, you know, they they drafted their team in 1993. That was their first year, 93, 94. So it was their third season. So that that does play a factor. I will admit yes. that that it, it does play a factor. But they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, so they won an extra round. If Vegas wins an extra round and they beat Nashville or Winnipeg. Then we might then we might have a discussion. Okay. And then okay. I think it becomes much closer. But I mean, the fact that Florida made it to the finals and those two teams that they beat to me, oh baby! I mean, those those were some darn good teams. Now, okay, so maybe maybe that's my fault because I was just looking at it from a fact that okay, Boston and Philly, those were the only two teams I was looking at. I didn't I didn't want to touch on Pittsburgh or Colorado yet. So oh, okay, okay, fair, okay, you know. fair. So through the first two rounds, okay, yes. that's all right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, then yes, I, I, I guess you could say that those two teams, although Philly is probably the best out of the four of the teams that were were beaten those couple rounds. Sure. Uh, but all right, I, I, I got you on that. Um, well, it'll be yeah. It'll be, I mean, if Vegas goes to the Stanley Cup final, and now we'll say this: if Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. Then okay, they're the greatest expansion team in <laughs> pro sports history. Period. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's just that that would be that. Uh, what are the chances to you that Vegas wins the cup? Ooh. Don't say uh, one. In, don't say one in four. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, because that's uh, that's almost too easy. I I think at this point I got to put it. I got to put it a little bit at the low end. I'm going to go with 15. percent Okay. Right now. All right. All right. That's. I think that's that's fair. Uh, yeah. Especially, we'll see if if this other series goes to seven games. That could be big for the Knights. Yeah. Absolutely could. And I think, I think the matchups too. When you look at it, like we we said earlier, if they have to play Nashville, there's a a, a larger possibility that they could beat Nashville versus if they have to play Winnipeg. Yeah, I would agree, I, because I think that Winnipeg can play Vegas's style a little bit. Although Vegas is kind of this, well, what style do you want to play? We'll just play it. But I think that Winnipeg can do that too, and they can do it better. They, yeah, they have the think, skill up front to do it. And the size to me. Yes, Vegas does have quite a bit of size though. But they you're, do, right, you're, but you're right. Nobody's size with, compares to oh, Winnipeg. <laughs> no. 
Uh, okay. Anything else? Uh, I know we we kind of we were talking sharks and we we ran away from them for a second. Anything else you wanted to add about the sharks before we close that book? Oh man, uh, to me, off season, I think they have to focus on uh, injecting some youth somehow. And to me, that that comes in maybe trying to trade away a guy like Aaron Dell, um, and then also to you know focusing on. Signing a guy like Evander Kane, I think he needs to stick around there. He was good for their team. Yes, and um, I think that their team was good for him. And I, I think yes. that's really important for, for Evander Kane, especially coming out of a place like Buffalo. You don't want to just go for the money. Right. You know, I, I know that Vancouver is being thrown around because he grew up uh, he grew up around where the Canucks play. But don't. I, I really hope he doesn't do that. Yeah, I— I hope so too. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I think Vancouver's going to make their case just because that's where he grew up. They're going to give him a lot more money with that 14 extra million dollars they have now. To yeah, spend. yeah but, but the Sharks do have the Sharks have some space too. I mean, they're Thornton is even if Thornton comes back, he's coming back at a a much further discounted. He's not he's not signing another 8 million dollar deal. No, uh, no they're no. nuts if they bring I, him back. I thought that the, I thought that it was Far too much money to begin with. Mm-hmm. Why? Why give him eight? Someone else was. Re- I mean, they were. I guess after Marlowe left, they were just. They had to do. They had to keep him. They couldn't afford to lose yeah. him. But I mean, at at this point, I really do think the Sharks could afford to lose him. I think that it's just better to move on now than burning another year and, and seeing what can happen. I, I think that. If you're going to, you know, you're going to have to move on without him soon. You might as well do it now. Well, some of your players are still in their primes. I think Pavelski still maybe has another another year left uh, of being really good. Uh, of course, Logan Couture. I wouldn't even put Logan Couture in like a a super high level status, but he's still really mm-hmm. he's still good. Uh, and so I, I just I I see Logan Couture dropping off much quicker much quicker quicker <laughs> quicker uh he's just he's kind of been touted as being so good and he's been good but he's inconsistent but he's not he's not your star player um this isn't logan couture's team by any means no so. i think uh do you do you maybe if if you're san jose with that extra eight mil you after you let thornton go and say maybe you get evander kane to hang around for for say six mil yeah right do you make a play for a guy like John Carlson to maybe fill in now that you can somehow find a way to either buy out or trade off part of Paul Martin's contract? Wow. John Carlson, Mark Edward Vlasic, Brent Burns all on your back end. Yeah, so um, now you suddenly, say we can compete with the with guys Nashville. from Nashville. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a that's a very interesting thought. I I tend to think that Carlson's going to stay out in the East, but I love that thought. Because that Western Conference definitely has those teams where they're clearly trying to stack up their blue line against Tampa Bay, or against mm-hmm. Nashville, um, and and even Tampa Bay doing that, knowing hey we're probably gonna have to play Nashville in the finals. We right. need defense, and uh, it's certainly come in handy so far. But all right, well, is there anything you want to add before we end the show? Um. You know what? I don't. I don't really. I don't think so. What about What about you? Anything you want to talk about? Well, you know, I, I, I just think that I'm ex- I'm excited now. Like I'm starting to get excited for the off season. <laughs> I know that <laughs> there's still games left to play, and I'm excited for those games. But I'm really starting to to get into draft mode. I've been reading a lot, watching a lot of highlight reels of different players, and highlight reels are fine. I'd much rather read what scouts have to say and so i have a couple different sites that i like to read from and different scouts that are that are really solid and uh so just a very i want to we'll talk about this on our next show i really want to talk about svetsnikov versus dolan and why dolan shouldn't go first overall and why hold on did you say shouldn't 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 go first overall Wow, and I, I'll say that just with this caveat that Shvetsnikov had perhaps the best scoring year out of any OHL forward ever. 
better than Sidney Crosby, better than anybody else you want to throw on that list. Wow, he that's was ballsy. dirty. Uh, goals, goals for 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 sixty minutes. Points and sit for sixty minutes. Unreal. Uh, we'll we'll dive a little more into it, but I'm gonna make the argument that Shvetsnikov would be better off in Buffalo, and Buffalo would be better off for it, giving Jack Eichel his franchise winger than it would be to bring in Dolan, and he would have more of an impact. And I will argue it. I will. I will. I won't just. I won't just blow smoke. Uh, I actually do believe this uh, after doing quite a bit of research that this could be the case. And uh, you'll have to tune in to the next show to find out if I'm insane or not. Wow. Well, I already think you are. But but just I remember, just... all the things, the only reason why you think that Don should go number one is because that's what everybody says. Right? Uh, right? We all just say Everybody says Don should go number one. Why? Oh, well, he's a franchise defenseman. But there have been many quote-unquote franchise defensemen, high-end defensemen, drafted high in the draft. Seth Jones was supposed to be a franchise defenseman. And he is very good. He's very good. Uh, Aaron Ekblad, supposed to be an unreal defenseman. But better players were taken after them. So hmm. it's not to say that Dolan won't be very good. Is he going to be Nicholas Lidstrom, Ray Bork? Is he going to be a, a consistent Norris Trophy winner? I mean, that's what people tend to, That's what people are saying, is that he's going to be the next guy, the next Eric Carlson type of player. Yeah. Wow. Highest scoring uh, under 18 defenseman in the SA, in SHL history, beating out, I think, Adam Larson, uh, which we all know how good Adam Larson is. So. Um, yeah, so good. <laughs> anyways, uh, that'll do it for our show. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. And if you're not subscribed to our podcast, you, know, you should probably subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen to our show. And, uh, yeah, feel free to drop us a line there on Twitter and we'd love to answer any of your questions. And we look forward to the rest of the playoffs and we'll talk to you guys very soon.